We here at TalkHouse recognize that in 2020, even more than usual, life has sometimes felt like a bit too damn much. So we partnered with the very rad nonprofit Sound Mind to bring our listeners a free mental health toolkit. Over at TalkHouse.com SoundMind, you'll find valuable resources that cover everything from coping with coronavirus anxiety and grief, to depression and bipolar support, to suicide prevention help. There's links to support groups and to sliding scale therapy. You can check out community-specific resources for BIPOC, Latinx, and LGBT-identifying folks, as well as frontline workers, parents, and musicians. These are tough, tough times, and we're all feeling it. We want to make sure our listeners and readers are able to get the help they may need, starting at TalkHouse.com SoundMind. Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? What is up? It's your boy, Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. We have a very cosmically philosophical conversation for you today, featuring Deerhoof's Satomi Matsuzaki and Greg Saunier with avant-garde jazz legend Wadada Leo Smith. To help me set up the show, joining from the city of wind. It's Josh Modell. What's up, Elia? Executive editor on the line. How's it going, man? It's going very well. Thank you for asking. Josh, earlier this summer, a very beautiful and fucked up record came out called To Be Surrounded by Beautiful, Curious, Breathing, Laughing Flesh is Enough. It was by Deerhoof featuring Wadada Leo Smith and was recorded at Le Poisson Rouge right here in New York as part of New York City's Winter Jazz Fest back in 2018. Did you get a chance to check this out? Oh, I did. It is as mind-blowing as its title would suggest. It is. That, that almost takes on a Smith's title. Yeah, right? Should we say it again? To be surrounded by beautiful, curious, breathing, laughing flesh is enough. Boom. Mic drop. Best title of the year. Yeah, indie rock fans are probably at least somewhat familiar with Deerhoof. They've been around since 1994. They formed in San Francisco. And they've put out a million incredibly varied, different, wild, amazing records over the past 25 years. Yeah, they're so prolific and really so experimental. Yeah, you never really know what you're going to get, which is exactly what people want from them. Except at the same time, you kind of know Deerhoof when you hear it, right? Greg's incredibly crazy drumming, Satomi's singing. (laughs) (laughs) Vocalizing? What do you call it? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, but I know it when I hear it. (laughs) In 2020, they've already released a 25th anniversary cassette box set, which is now sold out, a new album of original material called Future Teenage Cave Artists, and most recently, this live record we were talking about with the incredible title and with the inclusion of avant-garde legend Wadada Leo Smith. Yeah, who has also had a hell of a year, man. I mean, besides this record that he put out with Deerhoof, he's released Every Leaf, which is a collaboration with pianist and sound artist Tanya Caroline Chen. And he also dropped Pacific Light and Water, Wu Xing's Cycle of Destruction. That's a collab with electronic musician Barry Schrader. Now, Leo, as he's known to his friends, like Deerhoof, met the band a few years back at a small performance where he was playing trumpet along with an unamplified poetry reading by Kazuko Shiraishi. But it must be noted that he has been in the game for over 65 years. He's known as a trumpet player, but he is a multi-instrumentalist, a writer, 
and a composer who's received countless accolades over the years and has had a notable career as a music educator. He's worked with some pretty amazing artists like John Zorn and Jack DeJohnette and is an inveterate collaborator. And their collaboration is what brought them together for this TalkHouse podcast. Let's check out one of the songs they did together called Breakup Songs. Josh, what do you say about a track like this? I mean, it, it rocks, it slays, it's cosmic. I, don't, I, I have trouble finding the words, which I think is kind of the point. Thankfully, they do not have trouble finding the words in this conversation. This is a very warm talk that takes in a lot about collaborating, a lot about improvisation, including why Leo stopped using that term. Yeah, and they talk about the adaptable meaning of silence, which I thought was really interesting. How they're, you know, these really loud kind of crazy songs are actually very informed by the quiet parts. I'm telling you, jazz philosophy right here. There's a lot of that. And it's amazing, like three people from really different musical worlds really do have a lot in common when it comes to the philosophy of how they approach music. Amen. Should we check out the talk? Yeah, man, let's do it. Oh, it looked like I'm recording, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in GarageBand. You're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in California. You know California. I mean, that was your home. It was, yep. It, it was the spot. That's where we met you. Yes. I wonder if you remember. I remember. We saw you do it. It was with Kazuko Shiraishi. Yes. At yes. the Unitarian <laughs> yes. uh, Church. What was it? It's a church. Yeah, the Unitarian Church in like Japantown or something. Yeah. You remember that? Satomi? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Japantown. Yeah. And it, uh, we sat and talked afterwards, you know. Yeah. How do you remember that? That was so long ago. I remember it vividly. I got good memory. You gave us a, a copy of uh, your newest CD. That was so sweet of you. That's where it all began. Yeah. Well, you got to have some kind of hook, you know. You can't just go out and say, hey, you have to hook with something, give away something, take up something. Yeah, but but you had no reason to trust us or to, to have any idea what we were doing. Yes, I did. I, I mean, look, I have a commitment. I have to trust everybody. <laughs> How did you find that show, that Kazuko Shiraishi show? Because I remember it was you who realized it was coming. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean... I thought it was just kind of interesting event. I mean, I didn't know about Shiraishi or Leo, but it was uh, not far away. I mean, you know, San Francisco is small. Mm. We are always looking for new things. And, you know, I'm so glad we went. And, you know, your performance was so beyond my comprehension. It was so fresh. Well, we had a real good connection, you know, and um, over the years that we played together, we had really deep connections. I mean, her poems would be read in Japanese and in English, but I understood both of them, mm-hmm. even though I don't speak Japanese. You know, right. it has to do with how the heart connects with what I was being said. And uh, if you trust that part of yourself, it's easy to understand anything that's said because the tone of the voice, the nuance of expression, and just the right placement of a word saves a whole lot. 
you know. I find that in your poetry too, your singing poetry, that um, yep. I was listening to how the trumpet and the voice mixed on the CD, and um, it's something that you can follow without trying to follow because the nuance of each one is enhancing the journey straight across to understand each other. Isn't it funny how if your principle is that you're going to trust everybody, well, guess who that includes? Mm. (laughs) And that's actually the first step. Because how are you going to even try? That's how you know it. And and there's a practice that I think a lot of musicians, especially improvising musicians, develop over time. If you're a music journalist, you might be inclined to say, well, this person's a great improviser, you know, because of look at all their achievements and look at at what they played. But when you're doing it, I think sometimes it feels like the biggest achievement is and the biggest practice is can you trust yourself more? (laughs) Can you not be embarrassed to try something where you might fall flat on your face? And can you... Trust that you belong in a situation. (laughs) So, for example, (laughs) it's like if you're playing along with a poetry reading that's in a language that you don't speak. Or if if Deerhoof is on the on the Winter Jazz Fest <laughs> in New York, and we know that we don't play jazz, and we're playing with we're on stage with a acknowledged master <laughs> who we all idolize, it's easy to fall prey to a syndrome where you're like, well, I don't really belong here. I don't trust myself in this situation. I don't think I'm good enough to do this. I don't think I'm qualified, you know? And somehow this trusting yourself is like saying, no, I'm, I'm a human too. And like, it's such an honor to be part of this conversation. Yeah, well, look, making art is like, a, it's a fresh introduction to who we are at every turn. And that introduction exists without labels or names or qualifications. Yeah. Because um, when you hear a sound, you can't really say that that sound is rock sound or jazz sound or classical sound. (laughs) Exactly. You hear a sound and you identify with the sound and its authentic uh, occasion. And then if one allows the politics of themselves and others to come in, then you have to question what sound is it. Exactly. But then the sound is already gone, so why question what it is? <laughs> it's, it's not part of the environment anymore. It's already done. And the, the yeah. other curious thing is, is that it's already inside of you. The moment you hear it, it's already inside of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't right. exit out. You can't go inside of yourself and say, uh, I'm going to delete this thing. It's already there. The experience is there. You know, uh, none of those guys, Freud and Darwin and all those experts about nothing, right. none of them can really uh, uh, take that out of the, the person, that, that experience, you know. Right. So I like it. I know Satomi feels <laughs> similarly because we've talked about it so much over the years. <laughs> Once you and Shiraishi made the sounds that you made that day, those sounds... It's not just that they were in you, they were now in us. Mm-hmm. And that the listener has a lot of power 
you know, <laughs> like what those sounds mean. And you keep talking about identifying with the sound. We felt like we identified with those sounds. Mm -hmm. And to say identify means I'm that. Yes. That's they, me. I hear sound. that sound exactly. and that's me. Exactly. I'm hearing myself in yeah. that trumpet. I'm hearing myself in that voice. And I, similar, I mean, <laughs> Satomi is actually quite good at Japanese because uh, <laughs> that's her native language. But <laughs> yeah. Mine is pretty minimal. Yeah. And yeah, there was not, not too much that I could understand from, from her poetry. <laughs> She was talking about the, the spirits, you know, and then she presented in a way that was very, like, scary or like just, it was so weird because we were, we in church, you know, mm. and then Leo's playing so, like, minimal and, like, so much silence in between and you guys are, like, I was really scared. Like, the spirit was coming to me, you know, and mm. it was so real and just, it was like beautiful, you know. Mm. Mm. I'm going to tell you a secret, which is that I knew your music before that show. This was the first time I'd ever seen you perform, but mm. I had heard your music and I was familiar with it. And something that always struck me about it was the notion of placement. Well, that's rhythm for you. I mean, look, if I'm going to sound like some music writer and say, <laughs> hey, Wadada, you're a master of space. That makes it sound like I'm a master of space and, I, and I'm giving you an A plus on your record. And, I, and I, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm saying that your music introduced me to a concept of space that I hadn't experienced as much as I'd spent my life listening to music, playing music, devoting to music. <laughs> there was something about placement and about space that I heard in, in your music that I felt like I had very rarely heard <laughs> in any music. Yeah, well, silence, you know, is uh, non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> it sets its own conditions. It's there because it needs to be there in order to allow communication to take place. And um, every uh, cycle between the audibility and the silence, which is also audible because it's just as loud right. as the music, um, right. there's something at work that's, that I believe is generated by the larger spheres of the planet. You know, mm. uh, like sun and moon and uh, Jupiter and Mars and rain and earthquakes and sinkholes and stuff like that. Pandemics. And pandemics. And yeah. with that larger cycle, a uh, smaller cycle coming with silence in between, it helps us to attain some kind of balance before moving on again. Wow. Even though we, we have not stopped, meaning that we're not static at that moment because, it's, like I said, the silence itself is loud. And it's in motion. The silence is actually yeah. in motion. It's not and one more space. second of silence is different from the yes. first second of silence. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's meaning changes as the silence is still being yeah. silent. That's what I'm talking about. Like, if you do three seconds of silence, then the last phrase that you played means something different, then now it's four seconds of silence and I'm already reinterpreting in my, my memory 
the meaning of what you played before. I mean, I I mixed this live record myself, the yeah. the, the one that yeah. we just put yeah. out together, and so I was listening <laughs> to the, our performances over and over and over for months, tinkering with the you know all the volume yeah, and everything. It's an excellent, it's an excellent mix and an excellent edit. Believe me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's like to hear your playing over and over again repeating it you know i've heard it more than anybody on this earth because (laughs) i was the one mixing it for every day for months and it's like i really noticed that process happening in my mind where you would make a statement and then it's like if you were to come back in with another statement right away then that first statement would mean something different than if you waited longer to come back in to respond. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and and the way that that context changes the meaning of everything. There's no absolute value or absolute meaning to a note or to a phrase, but it's it's what surrounds it that gives it the meaning. And I do think that that is a kind of like practice. I mean, not just for moving beyond, but a practice for here, you know, planet mm-hmm. Earth. It's like understanding that that like <laughs> the gestures we make or the statements that we make don't mean anything unless they're in conversation and that they're heard and that they're responded to you know yeah communicated yeah the listening is important yes 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 hearing and listening both of them are two different contexts you hear what's going on, but when you listen, you listen with uh, the level of comprehension and also uh, communicating, which is a reciprocal kind of energy. Yeah. You know, uh, one person standing inside of uh, the forest and thinking, the trees understand, you know. Right. But if another person is there and you're thinking, the trees may understand, but not like the person. Right. Uh, the trees have a different pace. No, they have a different pace, but also, you know, their, their responsibility is something else as opposed to, like, our kind of communication. But we understand them. Like, when I told at Carlos, I used to ride from Ventura to Santa Clarita, okay? That's, that's 100 yeah. miles, basically. Right. And I, I loved it because on my way in, I could feel nice and get to school and jump out and be ready and burn up the place <laughs> yeah. and then jump away. And so, but, but on that road, on the right side, going to Carlos, there was a special okay. bush that never really went away or, or decayed or stuff like that. It changed colors and stuff, but it never went away. I felt that I knew the bush just like I would know James or Roscoe or somebody yeah, else. Yeah, right, right, right. And uh, when I would be approaching it, I would feel the connection that that bush was going to wave or knew I was coming or I was going to look over to, to check them out or something. <laughs> and that happened just consistently. And it, yeah. it was like another character in my life that I actually acknowledged or knew about, you know. So, so... All I'm saying is that this level of communication, at least communication period, is one of the main motivations, I believe, Mm. that art articulates. 
is that it sets the stage for communication, it helps the communication, and it's involved in part of the, the transaction of communication. Do you ever feel like, or you, Satomi, because I mean, <laughs> you're someone who moved to San Francisco straight from Japan, and you had studied English in high school, but you didn't come straight from high school either. You, <laughs> you were in Japan for a long time before you moved to the U.S., and you were very brave. You just came in cold <laughs> and uh, said, I'm going to go to City College and study film, and I'm going to try and make some friends. And the way you joined Deerhoof was, <laughs> I mean, you'd only been in San Francisco. You'd only been in the country for like a week, and uh, you just thought that, you know, maybe I should try something. And when, you know, language and communication was a, maybe more of a struggle than it is now, now that you've lived in the U.S. a long time, is there something special that happens in that zone where it could be more than two, but for example, two people are struggling to communicate with each other and they don't, they don't have like a really easy comfortable, already figured out <laughs> system for how to communicate. Mm -hmm. And they kind of have to invent one a bit from scratch. <laughs> and that's the way I felt the very first time that we played together, <laughs> you know, the first rehearsal that we had. <laughs> and you came over and sang and we were total strangers. But once we started playing, I felt very connected right away. And I always found that to be like magic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think uh, the language is more uh, uncomfortable because you have to, you can't really, yeah. you don't want to make mistake, you know, because uh. it has to be a certain placement, you know. And then if you change the placement, then the, the meaning changes, you know. Right. In Japanese too, like the same word, but if you pronounce mm. Differently, it's a different meaning, you know, but the, the music is comfortable suddenly. Like I grew up listening to Western music or I grew up listening to all kinds of music. So I feel like, mm. you know, I'm comfortable, you know, with the sounds, you know, it's more innocent. I, I wasn't afraid to make mistake because there's right. no mistake, you know. Mm. When when you sing, you know, or when you so so the sound itself is just Nothing to be afraid of. Look, when you feel like you need to make art and you want to make art, it comes more powerful than the reason not to. Right. You know? So feeling, feel is, is one of the qualities of making art. Not caring is also another quality of making art because yeah. if you're going to care about how well something went, it may, in fact, reduce how well you can do it. You know? <laughs> so you dive in just like you did, then you make art and you wait for the next occasion. This show is brought to you by Patreon, who ask, creators, are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Social media and streaming platforms help people find your work, but getting you paid is another story. With Patreon, you can stop rolling the dice of ad revenue and per stream payouts and grow your creative career through the direct support of the people who care the most, your fans. Since Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers, 
you'll skip the middleman and develop a sustainable income source by offering a recurring membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to exclusive community, premium content, and the chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken. So if you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, illustrator, a creative person of any kind, sign up on patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And change the way your creativity is valued by building the steady income stream you deserve. About five years ago, I stopped using the word improvisation. I stopped calling myself an improviser. Wow. And I used the word creator because the whole apparatus, when you look at the notion of improvisation, it yeah. came into the play of human existence around uh, 3200 AD, somewhere around that zone in Italy, and it was all for theater. Yeah. You know, and then later in life, you get these different theorists from Russia and France and straight across the, the, the uh, path that began to theorize about it, but they were also theater people. Right. Okay. Yep. And then, lo and behold, the musical people here that started <laughs> writing about music, they went and grasped this term and throwed it into the music. Right. Because it's harder not to figure out something than it is to figure it out. Wow. Because later down the road, it presents all kinds of complication, and they can't explain it. Right. You see, the people in New Orleans said that we played music, we made music, you know, we discovered music. They never used the right. word improvisation. Right. You see, and then these writers are going to do this, and then now it's, it's, it's like a big academic word. Every single thing in academia <laughs> has to find its way around to get into improvisation, like, yeah. let's say, two cars ran into each other. Well, that's an improvisation. Let me analyze that. Well, no. I mean, choices are, are, are valuable and powerful. So I made that choice for me, which I consider a change. It's a, it's, it's a change, but a change based off of growth and a change that intended to help me to accelerate my growth. Yeah. It really makes me think of the experience of playing the show together because like the word improvisation when it is used in music but also when it's used in in any situation any institutionalized uh, situation <laughs> or where there's authority the idea of an improvisation <laughs> is usually valued less than something that was created beforehand <laughs> with a plan that's then executed. <laughs> so an improvisation is usually considered a plan B or it's considered a, you know, a slightly less elevated form of creation. It's one that you do when you don't have time to make up something else. <laughs> but <laughs> when you say it's actually harder to not learn something <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, than it is to learn something. <laughs> that to me makes me think about what it felt like <laughs> when you trust yourself that what you create in the moment is not lesser than what you would have created sitting at home, planning out like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with Wadata, so I better practice my ride simple chops and you know, and plan out you know exactly what I'm gonna play 
because I'm scared and I don't want to mess up, you know, when I'm playing with somebody that I respect so much. It's like what the moment demanded was not anything that I could ever have planned for, you know, or that... No, you could not. It would have been an inferior. To learn from the moment was very much superior to what it would have been if if I tried to plan it all out beforehand. (laughs) So it inverts that. Yeah, yeah. And And the plan out is all theoretical, so it never existed. Yeah. But going on stage together, that's a ritualized space. Right. Uh, it has all kinds of responsibility for us. My most practical way of of going on stage with my ensemble or someone else mm. is that if 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 I have a, achieved a certain degree of emptiness, I would use. Right. Then, when I step on the stage, and I step on it in a way that I've been told that you step on with the right foot. Right. Okay and you move on it, it becomes the real, authentic event horizon yes. at the moment. That's what it becomes. But if I'm less empty and I step on still with the right foot, yeah. it's going to take me minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes to empty myself to get to the right moment to play. Yep. So quietness is what I use to try to stimulate that emptiness, is to be a little bit quiet. Like, for example, with my own ensemble, I won't be in the same room with them when I'm getting ready to play because they want to (laughs) talk. They want to say stuff, and they're laughing, and they're telling jokes, and they're experiencing some moments from the past. Right. Okay. Well, before I go to the venue or go to the town or the venue, the night before, I'm already inducing myself mm. for that performance. I'm already preparing for it. Yeah. Yeah, you save space in your mind. Well, I'm, I'm preparing for it because I, if I can empty all of this crap yeah. that you need to cook a meal or <laughs> wash dishes or do laundry and stuff like that, if I can get rid of that, or the bus driver, or the train driver, <laughs> the plane driver. If I can get rid of that, I may have a chance to make art, which is much more important. Yeah. I think both of <laughs> the first time that Satomi came and, and played with Deerhoof, and then I think of the couple times <laughs> that Wadada has come and played with Deerhoof, that that emptiness on both of your parts it wasn't just that you <laughs> didn't care whether you made a mistake. It was what you brought in that moment changed what Deerhoof was at that moment and forever after. De- Deerhoof ceased to sound the way it sounded once you appeared, Satomi. The sound of your voice was like a discovery <laughs> of a missing piece. It was as though... You know, the group had been missing that voice the whole time. And once it was there, it changed the way we played. It changed the way that we all wrote songs. We wrote songs differently once the sound of your voice was in our head. (laughs) Especially in the early days when we were playing some old repertoire, Mm. you know, of songs that we had before we ever met you. 
and you were performing along with it, but weren't that familiar with the songs, it was like <laughs> the way you would perform them, we wouldn't ever be able to predict you know, what was going to happen. And that ended up totally changing how we played them. <laughs> and it very much melted the, <laughs> the song. And I, I felt so similar playing with you, Wadada, the very first time at the Echo in Los Angeles and then again at Poisson Rouge mm. <laughs> in New York where you played a note and all of us in the band, the four of us are like, oh, okay. And it's like, I can't, keep doing what I was just doing. Like, I've got to do... I That totally flipped what I thought I was just playing. What I thought mm. I was saying, it turns out I was saying something else. And that something else that it turns out I've been saying is something more beautiful than what I thought I was saying. And I just <laughs> discovered it, you know? And, and the songs... <laughs> like, if somebody went and listened to... <laughs> any of the songs that you played with us and then went back and listened to the the version that's on the record it's like i mean it really departs from <laughs> from the version that we uh, or even the version that we might have played the night before on tour mm, it's right. like it it very much departed from those versions and it's not just a question of of somebody new coming into the picture and trying to keep up it's like it totally we were making a new language that now we can't not you know, we can't unlearn that language. Like, that's part of our experience now, you know, and that'll never leave, like, the experience of, of having uh, played with you or, or the experience of having learned to play with your singing, Satomi, like, changed Dear Hope forever, you know, for the better. Yeah, same for me. Look, I'm so happy that uh, I had the opportunity to play both. At, I was trying to remember the name of the place in L.A. But, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Echo. <laughs> the echo, because I, I describe it to my friends as a big old huge place. Yeah, and, of course, uh, it's like, and, I, and that I don't know, the, don't remember the name of it. But um, and, and in your memory, it had grown to be Madison Square Gardens or something. Yeah, it was Madison Square. <laughs> 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 but but the the, the hippie thing is that um, I think that once this pandemic has a vaccine, so that we can kind of get around. And, and connect with each other again. Mm -hmm. I think that um, America is in for like a beautiful uh, ring of deer hoofs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. Because live, <laughs> we created it, and live, we're going to expand it. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's the only way. Yeah, yeah. I look, I look forward to that because... Uh, Every interest on stage where you're making art is a growth, you see. And, it's, yeah. and the growth can only happen because you have the capacity to learn. And you learn because there's something there to learn. Yeah. You know, so it's just a beautiful uh, connection. And um, afterwards, I took photographs of people for an hour and a half after the show. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody that came out wanted to have a photo because the first person in line that started the stuff, everybody has just joined the line. Yeah. You know, and you say, this is for Jake, this is for my boyfriend, this is for... Yeah. Uh -huh. say, okay, cool, you know. I like that kind of an interaction anyway because you get to uh, be close to people that you just played for. I mean, that's one of the things that I miss most in the pandemic is all the... 
It's, you know, I miss you, Satomi. I miss playing with the band. I miss all the things that you'd, <laughs> you know, on paper, like, okay, I miss playing that song. That's my favorite song, whatever. I miss banging on the drums. <laughs> but there's also all those random interactions. Yeah. Wadada, thank you so much. Thank Satomi, you so thank much. you. Thanks for taking time to do this. This was, I really learned so much from being able to talk to you and, and just even having a moment to reflect on the show. You know, it was so busy. You, you know, you were so busy taking photos when the show was over that we barely yeah. even had a moment to talk. And it was it's yeah. really wonderful yeah. to kind of to, to look back and look forward, you know, yeah. and, and feel like we're on the right track. And what we did was, was something that really meaningful to all of us. Mm -hmm. And I know Ed and John feel exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I know they I, do too. I was nervous before, you know, rehearsal, <laughs> yeah. but then, you know, after we, we got on stage together, I felt very comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. It's so, home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, thanks so much, Tommy. Oh, thank you, Leo. And Greg, and, thank uh, you. Give, Let's talk give again soon. Edward and, yeah. and John a big hello. Okay, thanks. And, um, it's more than beauty that makes us stick together. Yes. Thank you. We'll see you around next year. All right, everybody. <laughs> thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Dear Hoof, Wadada Leo Smith, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Fellow musicians who happen to be listening, does this not want to make you go out and collab right fucking now? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'll bring my trumpet. <laughs> if you made it this far in our show, I think you enjoyed this episode. In which case, I'd like to recommend Battles in Conversation with Lee Ronaldo from earlier this year. Great chat, that one. And you can find TalkHouse on all your favorite social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at TalkHouse. Everyone that you heard on today's show recorded themselves at their hashtag stay home studios. Our researcher was Reese Higgins and our producer is Mark Yoshizumi. The TalkHouse theme was composed and performed by The Range. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. Peace. And improv. And silence. Ooh, silence is better. Ooh, I like improv too. It's like we're improving this. <laughs> <laughs>